Hello there, Oklahoma. This is Andrew 300 with InCast, and we are really going to rock your socks off tonight. Uh, I'd like to introduce Fat Boy on bass. Hey there, Oklahoma. I'm going to lay down the bass grooves that'll get you moving. And uh, let's also hear from my friend Chuck on bass. All right. Classic Chuck. All right. Let's get started here. Chuck, this is a blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. And uh, fat boy, let's take the bass line for a walk. And, and no saying the N-word this time. That's very disrespectful. And we're better than that. Neato. Okay. Let's crank this thing out. <laughs> More, more bass riffs. <laughs> Just throw like eight bass riffs at once in there. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I'll just say someone on bass and and this other person. I'll I'll call you Fat Boy and Chuck. Okay. I guess I'll right. I'll be Fat Boy then. Well, um, yes. <laughs> and I'll say that so I'll say that uh, Fat Boy is on bass and Chuck is uh is on uh is on um bass. Or, uh, drum drums on so drums we're both on there we go <laughs> yeah 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 no 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 that's way better <laughs> I was gonna say drums and bass but that's okay this is good do the Dave Chappelle impression of a white guy I, I that's the only impression of a white I only have one <laughs> trying to be a black guy trying to be a white guy impression in my in my discography Zane in my Rolodex nice all right then we um. Uh... We just got back from um, a, a conference, and the the whole car ride, we were just like trying to listen to different things. And uh, I, sh- I showed him uh, Tom Waits's "Step Right Up." Oh man! Oh okay. It's just with, it's just a bass line that goes like does the same thing for seven minutes, and then Tom Waits kind of scatting on top of it. Why Wait, is that like, the one where that, that woman products? is like "Step Right Down, Baby Let Your Mind Roll"? Not even a little bit. Nope. <laughs> okay. That sounds so Turns much out fun. I don't know who Tom Waits is. <laughs> uh, you should have listened to some Southern hip hop on I, the way back to, to prepare for this episode. I really should have, but I didn't. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, well, why don't you tell people who we are, if not Tom Waits? All right, everyone. Uh, this is okay. My name is Ben, and my name is Zane, and I'm Charlie. Yay! Hello, Charlie. Turn your mic up some more. <laughs> and this is uh, this is the Carton Cast. We look at old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. And uh, yeah, I didn't know this was a cartoon. Uh, <laughs> the Carton Cast. Let's crank this thing up. Of course, <laughs> Charlie. Uh, what are we watching today? We're watching on uh, Class of Three Thousand. Yeah. Little... So this. Ye- this is a show I had no conception of, but I'm so glad you told me about it. <laughs> I, I'm i not surprised that you haven't heard of it. I mean, given what I know about your childhood, yeah, this probably wouldn't seep in there. 
Well, no, I was. This wasn't this wasn't like, in vogue in the suburbs of <laughs> no, the Northeast. But no, like okay, so so Class of Three Thousand ran on Cartoon Network from two thousand six to two thousand eight. So I should have seen this. Yeah. Hey, hang on, just a second, Zane. I uh, I think we blew right past the part where we have a third person on this podcast. So, yeah, no, uh, I'm, it, it's all jumbled in. It's a nice gumbo. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a good catfish catfish sub. Uh, Charlie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you're here, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, so um, Zane and I work together, as we loosely mentioned to one another, Um, and we sit next to each other, and so we annoy each other on a given, any given day, and... Every given day. Every given day. That's a very good point. Of the days in which you give, the ones where you annoy each other are all of them. This is correct. (laughs) It's the best way of putting it I've ever heard. (laughs) And I'm trying to get into rap battling. I think we determined it that like if we're in this any given spot for thirty minutes, then it's too much for anyone else around us. <laughs> the conversation degrades I, into murder pretty quick. I uh, I uh, Zane, you've met my friend Mark. Uh, it's it's pretty similar it, to that. Yeah, we just no. can't be in a, we can't be in each other's presence for too long, or we just start giggling too much. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and um, so I, I kind of had this open invitation that if he had a. Uh, a show that he wanted to take a look at, then, you know, recommended, and this was it. Yeah. Yeah, I, Charlie, why don't you uh, tell us your, um, I guess, do, have, have you have you listened to any of our product before? And, <laughs> like, what exactly grabbed you to uh, talk about Class of 3000 today? Yeah, so uh, Zane had mentioned that, you know, you and him have done a few episodes, and so I went back and like looked for some of my favorite shows first, and so I think Teen Titans was the first episode I listened to. Already um, got there. Talked about Cyborg. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, Slade. And pretty much no one else. And so just from there, I just kind of listened to every couple of ones that came out. If they caught my eye, like it was a show that I know that I remembered or whatever. And then I was just talking with a friend one day and he had brought up this show. And I was like, man, that was a great show. But I hadn't (laughs) like, I hadn't seen it in so long that I was like, you know, I wonder what it'd be like watching it now i was like wait that's the exact like premise <laughs> of this premise. <laughs> <Exact> premise. <laughs> uh, that's great i mean that that's such a relatable story too because like so many people go back through their old cartoons like in the like uh, they see like a top 10 nicktoons list and they're like oh yeah that was a good show is mm-hmm. it actually still a good show like it's a very relatable thing to think these days yeah yeah so it's cool that you came across that you're you're telling me that you knew about this show before last week. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's is, interesting. Yeah, I think I remember watching the premiere for the show actually. Like I remember being like pretty hyped about Ooh. it as a kid. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and this is actually a, a, a perfect show for Charlie um, to come on for because he is sort of my entrance to any sort of pop culture, <laughs> especially okay. hip hop culture. Yeah. So. Like no he, kidding. He he tells me everything I need to know, and I just sort of give him a quizzical look. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Guess what, Charlie? You are our impromptu musical expert. <laughs> so we'll there see. you go. We'll see where this goes. <laughs> Was that a woo uh, or have, a slide whistle? I have something I gotta say before we get started, and I don't. I think it's important to like lay out my framework for this episode because. Uh, you know, as a musical cartoon, I guess. I don't know how else you'd put it, mm-hmm. but like it, it revolves around the music industry and mm-hmm. um, and the entire premise of School of Rock and things like that. I don't have a great appreciation for music. I sometimes tell people that I don't really like music and I'm met with like 
vacant stares like a <laughs> pod person. Well, you yeah. mean you don't like, like people, what kind people of people are unwilling to understand that music just isn't a part of a big part of my life. Like I'm irritated when I hear it and I'm not expecting it and I don't want it and I'm sometimes into it in the background and that says but like there's people who go to <laughs> concerts who like follow them on road trips and like it's a huge part of their cultural identity and it isn't one of mine. So how do you relate to music? Ah, that's a good one. Um so I use music mostly as kind of like a background filter type thing like i just something to have on but recently i started really getting into um, more introspective hip-hop and things like that just because of the deeper themes and it's actually kind of a nice way to hear a story that i mean that is kind of uh andre 3000's kind of uh what he brings to outcast yeah uh, if i was reading i by the way i researched outcast and i've got bits of out outcast lore that i'm just <laughs> gonna pepper in throughout the broadcast um apparently yeah i'm gonna bring that one back saying get ready um apparently andre 3000 was the one with the more introspective and kind of uh uh creative like New, new frontiers of hip-hop sort of way mm-hmm. of, of, of approaching the duo. And then Big Boy was more of the stereotypical um, talking about, um, you know... Money in the cars uh, and sub- such. Suburb life, money, cars, women, etc. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. And I recognized yeah. Outkast as the band that made Hey Ya, because yep. I don't know anything. <laughs> I keep on forgetting that that was... I keep on thinking that that was Hoobastank. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know nothing about music. They have an interesting discography because they have songs like Hey Ya and then there's like Miss Jackson, but then there's like these super deep cuts that are just like in the hip hop world are like very revered as like some of the greatest masterpieces and it's just weird to think that they're all the same people. Oh so yeah, you, you, there was Player's Ball, I which I believe <laughs> was the impetus for Player Haters Ball in the show. <laughs> And um, there's also a song called Rosa Parks. Did you hear about this one, guys? No. Yeah. There was a line in it that was, so the entire thing was allegorical for uh, the, the hip-hop industry kind of pushing back against the new inventive things that they were doing. And Rosa Parks was kind of a metaphor of, you know, you black people get in the back. Don't don't upset the natural order of things. Mm-hmm. And Rosa Parks actually apparently sued them. <laughs> oh, um, for, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. There was a, there was a lawsuit on it, and uh, it, Rosa Parks' side was represented by Johnny Cochran, whom <laughs> I assume did a rap battle against Outkast. Oh my god, I need to see this movie. <laughs> so crazy. Uh, no, that's great. It's, yeah. It sounds like Outkast would be a good like band to get into hip hop because if it has that mm-hmm. pop culture appeal and then the deeper the deeper stuff. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, they had the. Uh, they had a uh, a whole movie following a similar thing with the NWA. Yes. Recently, yeah. remember? Yeah. So uh, I I feel like it would be a good one for Outcast to do as well. Yeah. So those are opening comments in this music podcast, guys. Uh, I guess we should probably talk about the cartoon that we're watching, though. Well, the the lawsuit angle t- ties in as well because there was a lawsuit against this show. Um, yeah, Zane, why don't you give us the production? <laughs> so. Th- as I said, it ran from 2006 to 2008, two seasons. Um, but it was uh, this guy, Timothy McGee, who pitched a show uh, years previously with a similar premise, and he called it the Music Factory of the 90s. Um, the lawsuit was dismissed. It rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, it's not nearly as good. Um, <laughs> but the suit was dismissed, and so 
don't know. I just thought it was an interesting factoid because, you know, like you said, kind of reminds you of School of Rock. Like, yeah, if you're yeah. doing a musician teaches high school theme, there's only so many directions you can go in. Yeah, right. Uh, and, but this, uh, this show won a primetime Emmy in uh, Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation. Cool. So I was yeah. I was surprised by the quality of this because when you hear like, oh, a rapper made a cartoon. Yeah. Like, like Doesn't really set the, the bar. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I always immediately like whenever I hear that there's a cartoon made and it's all about this one person my mind goes to mike tyson mysteries <laughs> so i just like i don't have a very good like like the the opening salvo on that on that sort of product it doesn't hit very well but uh i, I don't i still don't really know how i feel about this show and we're gonna get into it i feel like it's pretty unfocused <laughs> there are parts that i like about it but i yeah. don't know what they're trying to do i think that's fair <laughs> um so yeah so charlie what do you think like you said that you enjoyed the show and and you yeah. thought about it but clearly you hadn't thought about it in a while. What yeah. what's appealing about this show to you? Yeah, or or what do you remember before revisiting it? Yeah, so like, like before what, revisiting what stuck it with you the first time. It was definitely just like the the funk music and just I remember all the songs being very catchy. Um but I didn't realize how witty it was. Like looking back on it I was like, "Oh wow, you know, there's a comment in almost every line about something." Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it definitely, and it has a bunch of vocal talent as well. All of the main cast are voiced by some pretty um, pretty well-known and pretty good voice actors. Yeah, there's Static Shock in there as the <laughs> tall weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, glad you, did, I'm dead, you, glad you did the good research on this one. <laughs> I, I don't, like, their name, I don't know, th- those kids are so, like, one-dimensional and personality-less, and they're yeah. just as, like, demographic plugs that are just, yep. like, um, but, okay, static shock if he was a white nerd, got it. But, sure. but like you said, um, they do play music, there's a, a musical break every yep. episode, and they're usually pretty good, and they have very interesting uh, uh, animation shift, so. Yeah. I think this is where the, uh. This is where my bias against music being a big part of my uh, uh, media intake is is really showing. I did not like the musical interludes. They look pre- they look pretty bad to me, um, and they sounded pretty bad to me. I wasn't hit well with them a hundred percent, but I like what they were trying to go for. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them were kind of silly, like, oh, we're gonna sing about a peanut, like. Okay, there's only so much you can do with that, but then there's some other ones, like, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this one, but the, the crayon song? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's just, like... The, you know, crayon song. Yeah, so there's just, like, these randomly profound moments of, like, oh, you know, however many different colors there are, we're all in this box together, I believe is the line or something like that, I'm just like, wow, like, for a kid's show, that's pretty good. It's not, it's not too bad, yeah. But then you realize that the color they're talking about is blue. Well... <laughs> 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 they, this was before. This was the Avatar before Avatar Zane. What? <laughs> what does uh, that mean? James, James Cameron's because they were all blue people. Oh, thanks, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, Zane, get on the ball. <laughs> um, so the premise of this show. I, yeah. So the plot of this is that an impossibly famous and rich jazz musician, Sonny Bridges, which yep. <laughs> is a great name. Yeah, becomes disillusioned with high life and opens a school for talented young musicians, and I and then joins up with Kyle Gass and becomes a comedy duo. Okay, that's not quite how I remember it. <laughs> like that's pretty close to Tenacious D. Um, yeah, so or, uh, School he, of Rock. 
he gets tired of fame. He returns to Atlanta, and he's trying to make a difference in the lives of these kids. And uh, I, <laughs> I, I like Sonny Bridges. He's clearly just Andre three thousand. Like, yeah, I thought like, yeah, if oh, he was he's... also the Messiah, he's... like, <laughs> he's like the object of worship of every person in this show. I thought that he was gonna be like, okay, starting with him, but then he took on a life of his own. But then you look at a picture of Andre three thousand. It's like, oh, it's the same guy. Yep. But now <laughs> he has like beard. superpowers. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then you. Uh... Uh, the, the the show is largely told through the perspective of his number one fan, uh, Lil D, whom is also Andre 3000. <laughs> I mean, not voice acted by him, but it's kind of the same character. Yeah. Well, yeah, Ben, it's it's the mentor idea. Yeah, it's just meant to be like him as a kid and him as an adult having this conversation. They're like Jedi. Yeah. So yeah, the rule of two. I did this. Uh, I did a little bit of research into Andre's childhood. There's a interesting documentary for Outcasts. It's like 40 minutes long, and uh, he, you know, he grew up fatherless for the most part, um, based on certain things, and was part of the Atlanta, it, it, part of this integration effort on behalf of uh, Atlanta's school system. So. Uh, Hmm. You can really see you can really see that popping in uh in little D's kind of music life because uh, all of his classmates are from you know every corner of the globe. Um, yeah, there's, there's some the diversity surprisingly cast. nuanced, but like not really nuanced, but one dimensional in a way that you wouldn't associate with the stereotype. So like, I... there's Chinese Americans, but they're you know they're not they're not quite as ping pong as you would expect, you know. Ben, I, I, I want to go back just a second to the idea that, um, you know, Andre 3000 grown up without a father. And then in this show, like, man, who would be the best dad for me? Me also. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> Older me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they do. They do a little bit to try and get away from stereotypes while still keeping a diverse and, and culturally representative cast. I don't know how much it adds because... In terms of characters, some of them are really fun to watch. Some of them are just like, you just needed extra people. Yeah. Yeah. I The, the second episode where Sonny's walking around and talking about, hey, what a cultural mosaic this Atlanta, Georgia thing is, I think is really kind of how he's, how they're putting the pieces in place here. Like, this is the stage that defined a musical titan, and we're seeing kind of the framework and the bedrock of it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's any deeper than that, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't watch too many episodes of this. <laughs> I watched like three or four, and I think I got pretty much the gist. As far as like formula and p plot structure goes, once he's at the school teaching music, mm -hmm. they don't do too much. Like they're not very proactive with the plot. It's it's kind of just they show up and something weird is happening in the society and they're gonna approach it like way too proactive teens or uh, yeah. preteens and uh andre will be the voice of reason yep for a while that seems to be the formula i remember <laughs> <laughs> a, a yeah. lot of the times they're like um getting ready for the big show or a yeah. competition mm -hmm. they, the they big show and... is the theme in this <laughs> they're always getting ready for a everything. big show of some sort yeah and uh, they try and implement music into everything because they they each have you know their own instrument. They carry them around with them. That you need an opportunity to put in a jazz number at the end of the show, so it's got to tie in somehow to music. Yeah, 
Um, but that is, that is it, the only focusing aspect of this show. Everything else is pretty much whatever they felt like talking about that day. One time they have like, I don't know, an award ceremony for best teacher of the year. And it follows this weird like pseudo political election cycle in the hometown <laughs> Full of like terrible caricatures of unelectable candidates, and then Sonny's just like, "Yeah, I just want to be a good teacher," and everyone's like, "Oh, he'll never win." You know, like, <laughs> it's, it's like pretty, it's pretty silly. <laughs> um, Charlie, yeah. did, did you see any episodes that were uh, that stood out to you as particularly good or, or particularly interesting? Um, so I just recently finished up the uh, gorilla at the zoo episode. That was yeah, so a oh. classic cartoon plot line that really doesn't belong in a show about a music. School. Yeah, like, I was <laughs> like, okay, Team this... America, World Police plot line, <laughs> if I remember correctly. And it was just like, also like with the they most recent like, when they smelled those Harambe incidents, I was like, wow, <laughs> this show could have a lot more like relevance than today if someone like had made this connection. Yeah, dicks out for Andre three thousand. <laughs> um, I only just learned that meme, and I'm very proud of myself. Good, good for you, Ben. <laughs> Thanks. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, Gorilla at the Zoo was a thing before Harambe, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like, I think that's. It's either that. It's either Gorilla or Tiger at the Zoo. Like, those are the only ones that you have to have an apex predator in order to have that storyline. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if it's gonna be like, if it's gonna be like playing it straight, it's got to be like a, a jaguar or a tiger. But what and if you want to do like? If you want to do, like, the gentle giant thing, you got to do a gorilla. You're so missing the point. What is it doing in the show about a music school? (laughs) (laughs) Like, hey, Arnold, fine. SpongeBob, anything goes. (laughs) They really go off the ball here. I I, I kind of agree, because, like, the idea is that they're representing this cultural niche from which Andre 3000 percolated and grew up. Like people that he clearly made an impact on him, like these characters of yeah, like, like Cheddarman, the the grifter Cheddarman, who's like always trying to make a buck, or like <laughs> he's so good, the nice pawn shop guy. Like these are clearly people he knew once. Oh yeah, pawn shop guy is great. Yeah, <laughs> he's like one reasonable white guy in a cousin Skeeter universe. Charlie, have you seen cousin Skeeter? <laughs> I don't think I have. That we're gonna. That's talk our about template for this episode. <laughs> so the basic. The basic thing for Cousin Skeeter, and I, I don't mind just saying this right now, was that uh, it was about, it, it was following that sort of Nickelodeon thing where they were doing kind of like a, a, a black cultural outreach sort of thing where like black po- culture was getting kind of popular in um, uh, among like teens. And so they did a few shows. It, this was kind of like the era of the Cosbys and things like that. And in Cousin Skeeter, amongst its weird like puppet, uh, puppet fetish that it seemed to have uh all of the white people were villainous like <laughs> money-grubbing warlords it was so crazy <laughs> um and it's weird seeing i don't know it this show has some similarities with that which like the craziest people are the whitest people <laughs> but it doesn't really it's not quite as bad in this one they're white in the sense that they're trying to stop people from enjoying the music yeah wow. that's right <laughs> But uh, but let's let's talk about the characters and, and get into that. Yeah, sure. I I feel like these characters are pretty hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Like I think I like Sunny and Little D, but <laughs> kind of and some of the weirdo one offs like Cheddar Man. <laughs> <But> <laughs> a lot of them are just like too 
predictably one adjective specific characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like so- the rich guy, the rich kid is rich. The 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 tech weirdo is just kind of weird and happens to know what microphones are. Like it's it's not very deep in its in his characterization and I think the the, the point is that the whole of the group is greater than the sum of its parts. I would agree with that. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how you guys felt about that. Like all of the weird little shitlings in in Sunny's class, um, <laughs> they, they're individually uninteresting. But like, except for maybe Tamika, I like her. Yeah, she's got a lot she's going nice on. And, she's nice and sassy. Uh, um, I think the dialogue saves it for a lot of them. Um, it is a very witty show, like Charlie said. But uh, yeah, the characterization, dumb one. Yeah. You know. Yeah, rich one, dumb one. I kind of liked rich one. I kind of liked uh, Eddie. He he's Clay from uh, Shaolin Showdown, isn't he? Yeah, this is Tom Kenny. Uh, so SpongeBob. Oh. Sponge SpongeBand. Okay. Yeah. I but, I, uh, I actually don't didn't write any of them down <laughs> except for Lil D. Well, I I like I like Eddie. They balance it out because he comes from a wealthy family, but like this is an integrated school. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know it. it his wealth informs his culture and his expectations, but he's not like lording it over everyone. He's clearly the butt of a lot of jokes. Yeah, and he how, seems to be okay would, with how that. How weird would it be? Yeah, how weird would it be if he wasn't though? Like that would become the focus of the show so quickly. <laughs> he was like, just an okay, asshole. Well, okay, we got you know this group full of kids that this musician is teaching to become a great, a bunch of great musicians. And then one overbearing rich racist. <laughs> Be a pretty weird show. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's the popular girl kind of stereotype in a lot of teen shows, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, but yeah, it, I, uh, I I don't know. I, I don't really have the fabric of this of this plot structure perfectly laid out. Yeah, um, but, I do but, think that the characters are probably the weakest parts of the show, but a lot of the time they're just joke vehicles, so it it's actually not too bad um, um but little yeah. little d is sort of the, the band leader um voiced by comedians small fire small fire <laughs> i don't know man <laughs> um uh, and man. it's great because he and sunny are like the same time but like time difference except little d's a bit of an asshole yeah he's like when sunny says something mean it comes off as wise mm-hmm. and like like a sort of warning against doing the stupid thing. Little he's just like, it's settled and it's not settled. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's obviously like an immature version of Sonny for the most part. He um, he's he's still learning everything. Like yeah. Sonny in the first five minutes of the episode, Sonny will lay out like how the students will go wrong, but they still <laughs> end up having to learn their lessons the hard way because little D thinks he's a good leader, but he's not. Yeah. And that's that's like a pretty charming character trait of somebody who thinks that he's he's all dad, but he ain't all dad. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Charlie, <laughs> are we kind of talking over you? Um, uh... you like you don't you don't gotta be like uh you don't you don't have to like talk quite as much and like vivaciously as Zane and I do just because we're used to this. <laughs> but I do want to make sh- I do want to make sure that like we're not uh not getting in your way. Oh no, not at all. I will gladly poke in where i feel need to cool and if like by the way if you're worried that you're gonna say something dumb we cut so much of this out don't worry (laughs) i i usually cut out the stupid things i say and leave in the stupid stuff ben says good to know Uh, i i think that it's good to have that dynamic where i'm the weird one (laughs) 
Man, a world where Zane's not the weird one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the other day, uh, David was here, and I was hanging out with Ulysses, one of my friends, and my older brother, our older brother David was there, and because Ulysses is used to me, and David was kind of on edge, David was acting like a real weirdo, (laughs) and Ulysses is like... Oh, now now I see it. I'm like, yeah, I'm the normal one. <laughs> yeah, I, I've noticed that similarity between uh, like our family. We're fine if we're meeting new people. We're fine with our friends. If there's a combination, we don't know what to do. Yeah, it's cross chatter. Messes us up. Uh, so the best thing about Little D is that if you combine Sunny and Little D, you get Sunny D. I don't think I need <laughs> oh. to tell anyone that. Oh. <laughs> or, or Little the Bridges. Part of the show. Which yeah. are cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little, little bridges sounds great. The littlest bridge. You, you, that's like what you that's what you call like a litter of kittens. It's <laughs> <laughs> just adorable. Yeah. The be- the best thing about little D is he's always wearing a sea captain's hat. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about how weird that is. <laughs> like yeah, I'm. It's weird because like. I used to do that, like all undergrad. My thing was I was the guy who wore a sea captain's hat. I never had a dad, so I worship two male role models: Sonny Bridges and the Skipper from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how he talks. Well, the thing, yeah, he does talk like that. He almost talks like Cousin Skeeter in a way, um, except that his like overconfidence isn't just accepted by those around him. Like I really like when he talks to mm-hmm. Tamika, and Tamika's just like, "You're so full of shit, little." Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So uh, the thing I like about Little D and Sunny is their mirroring. Is that, uh, like you said, Zane, Sunny D's kind of got it all figured out. He's mature. He, he's kind of got the same impulses, but they're like the rough edges are rounded off with age. Yeah. And. Uh, Sonny is, like, really appreciative of the town that he came from, his home life. And Little D just wants to get out and make it big in the music industry. So it's, I mean, we've already said it, but it's, like, these two different parts of Andre's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As as shown by people. And seeing those two sides talking to each other physically is actually really cool. Yeah, it's kind of like um, in Life with Louis. How uh, he and his, like, the same guy voicing himself as a kid and his dad as a kid? Well, sort of. I mean, he, I don't think Louis Anderson was ever quite his father. That's true. Like, the the father is so obviously, like, a demonic depiction of his his actual dad and not just, like, this alternate person, personage Mm. that he became when he grew up. Whereas this kind of is. It's like, this was Andre at two different moments of his life. Sort of. Like, not perfectly, but, you know, close enough. And that trope is actually pretty common in hip-hop. Like, you have your younger artists who are usually on the fence of, like, oh, I'm just going to go off and do bigger and better things, go into the West Coast, like, flashy Hollywood parties, that kind of thing. But then, like, some of the older Mm. artists, they come in and they're, like, all going back to their hometowns, and they're just building up their hometowns, and it's just, like, from a much more aged perspective. That's really cool. Yeah, do you have any other like uh, points of reference for that? Because I don't know any hip-hop artists, really, so I don't really know how um, prevalent that is. So it's kind of hard for me to give modern examples because that trend is actually flipping, which is interesting. Um, so you have younger artists yeah, like the- Chance the Rapper, who's like really like hyping up Chicago Chance. as like he needs to build the city back up. And he kind of he's working with Kanye, who I would say is now towards his later years. Like He's no longer a kid in the game. 
Um, oh, that's going to be a Nick at Night special. Oh, yeah. Kanye the later years. <laughs> I'd watch <laughs> every second of it. <laughs> Memorize the credits. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's other artists that I can think of. Uh, so New York City tends to have a lot of people like Jay-Z when he was younger was just about he was representing New York, but it was more from a because I'm from New York, I'm great. And now he's like, oh, I'm from New York. I should do great things like in honor of that like kind of like opposite that's a really nice perspective shift yeah yeah and it makes a lot of sense like the pride in their hometown got them to where they are and so now they want to pay it back as like that's actually like a very Mm -hmm. very satisfying kind of like resolution of a career it's like you've reached the height of your power and now you're trying to give back to those that uh to, to to those that caused it in the first place you uh you got some sirens there ben yeah, which is weird because I moved away from the part where the <laughs> cops usually used to patrol and probably not on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> ben, you need to, um, you know, leave Philly, get famous, go back and build it back up, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get right on that. Um, but yeah, so Sonny Bridges, he's tasted fame. He realizes it's not all it's cracked up to be. Little D's got to make those mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, he, he, and he's trying the to best work part. through it. Here's the best part. Uh, the first two episodes are predicated on the fact that Sonny D wants to hide out from the pu- from the press, so Sunny he takes D. the job. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> Sonny Bridges <laughs> uh, wants to hide out from the press, so he takes the job at that school to teach the kids about music or something. Mm-hmm. And then they immediately abandon the idea that he's hiding from the press because he like <laughs> yeah. he just like doesn't hide at all. <laughs> he doesn't care. He wins awards. He wins fucking awards. <laughs> It's so weird. Um, I like that his uh, the advice that he gives is, like, in, in the dialogue, it's played up to seem very wise. But if you just read it straight, it's very funny. So my favorite example is um, when, when they're rushing to conclusions. The kids are rushing to conclusions. And he says, y'all seem to have put on the pants of judgment before you made sure you had the matching shirt of facts. <laughs> that's, so, that's so wonderful. <laughs> I love it so much. Apparently, Andre 3000 was very, like, stylistically inclined as a kid. So, like, uh, he he would, like, uh, he, he didn't have uh, the money to get, you know, designer jeans and stuff. What he would do is he would, like, emboss his own shirts with Andre. Which <laughs> huh. is so cool. Build Personal like, branding. That's, like, yeah. <laughs> that's a Zane maneuver right there. <laughs> Fucking Thursday is tie day. Yeah. Um, mm. So... He's not named 3000 in this show. He's not named Andre. He's a different character, Ben. Right, except that the title of the show is Class of 3000. All right, yeah, that does need some explanation, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, he was like, the, like trying to subtly, but yet not at all subtly, be like, yeah, the show's about me. <laughs> it's it's like, branded, but like he produced it, but did not direct it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually have like a problem with the title. I just think that it's very funny that there's no like actual causal link in the show to call it Class of Three Thousand. Yeah, like, the veneer universe. is thin enough that <laughs> everybody watching it understands the joke, but it's just hey guys, tickled me. Here's this new rapper or, or new musician, Sonny Bridges. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at how stylish he is, Atlanta, Georgia. Sonny D. <laughs> Any any other characters you guys want to look at? Any of the kids in particular? Did I say how much I love Cheddar Man yet? 
Cheddar Man. <laughs> this is the guy who takes branding too far. I did like Tamika. Yeah, I, yeah, she's I she's mean, a bit of a bully trying to get street cred. Yeah. So this is one of the things that the show does, and I think it's, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad. Like, so the class the class is pretty diverse, right? You have this nerdy white guy, you've got uh, this rich kid, you've got uh, this black man or this black boy, this black girl, a couple of uh, a couple of Chinese Americans, mm-hmm. and I forget the last one. Madison. Madison. She. Oh yeah. So, so you hate girl. her. Yes, absolutely. We we all hate her. It's fine. I I, I actually didn't mind her much. How but, I I was sure that if you had one opinion on this show, it's that you hated Madison. No, she's actually like a pretty like faithful depiction. I almost feel like of like, what good natured and dopey. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. I just think it's fun. And and plus, this was you know this is Atlanta, Georgia. It's not unreasonable that someone like this would exist, like the next district over. Yeah. Uh, the problem that I had was, <laughs> oh, that sentence was almost a disaster. The characters I find the least successful are the Chinese Americans. <laughs> um, so Kim and Cam, um, they don't contribute much, but they, I like that they provide some grounding because the other characters get silly very yeah. quickly. Yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, and they're like. I remember Cam least... saying at one point, like, oh, this music thing, not really my thing, but paperwork, man, let me get some paperwork done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't even know, I don't even know where to begin on that one. <laughs> the, uh, it's not great. No. The, the point, my point is, it seems like they do black and white stereotype, like mm-hmm. black and white depictions pretty well. Like, Tamika might be pretty stereotypical, like sassy black woman, but I didn't find her character distasteful. Yeah. I'd agree you know, with she's, that. She's got heart. Yeah. And it didn't feel like the Chinese-American kids had heart. No. Uh, speaking of not having heart, uh, they were voiced by Janice Kawaii, who was Guy on Captain Planet. Ah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. So not heart, but but water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there's just like, was Guy the one where everyone was fantasizing about her when they like hit puberty? That was Linka. It was Linka. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. God, Captain Planet was so good. <laughs> oh boy zane pull that ben, pull those punches a little bit there so good remember where we are <laughs> did you see the new power ranger trailer i saw that it came out and decided that i didn't really care i didn't and then i saw the trailer yeah. i'm kind of excited now really i heard that it wasn't very good i don't care <laughs> okay <laughs> too late <laughs> the original wasn't very good i still watched it Charlie, weigh in on uh, Power Rangers or Captain Planet real quick. Ah, so Power Rangers. I think I was the one who reminded Zane to watch the trailer. Um, only because I saw a, a picture of like the suits recently, and I was like, okay, those suits look pretty badass. Like I was gonna ignore this movie, <laughs> but those suits. Yeah, like the original <laughs> ones, but with more spikes. Yeah. <laughs> First Madison, now Power Ranger. You guys are in weird cahoots with me. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like this this united front. I can't, I can't get any of my ideas through the red tape. Um. So uh, I guess that's that's really all I have for characters. Uh, do you want to know who voiced Tamika? Uh, sure. Her, her name is Crystal Scales. Ooh, <laughs> that's a stripper. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a lizard stripper. She uh, she also voiced Libby on Jimmy Neutron. Huh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get the feeling like she gets uh, typecasted into quite a number of small <laughs> black women. <laughs> Not black children who are females, black women, because that's the stereotype that they always play. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, 
I don't know. I don't have anything else for characters. I feel like tone is where we want to be in this. All right. Sounds All right. Good. Let's let's get into tone and genre, um, because this uh, this the joke style is kind of what I want to hone in on, like the joke telling mechanisms and the the way that it kind of negates the need for characters is that the jokes are very, very fast and, as you said, witty and full of, like, referential humor. Mm-hmm. Um, the weird thing is that they don't linger on any of the punchlines. Like, right. there's no dismount here, which is a lot like the way Harvey Birdman ch- told jokes, which yeah. was just make five of them in quick succession and hope that some of them are received. Yeah, it's the shotgun method. So, like, in uh, just for an example, in the pilot episode, Little D is skateboarding or scootering or whatever. He scooters into the bus door and then is immediately chumming up with the asshole who slammed him into the bus door. Like, there's no elucidation of why they did that or any of their relationship. They're just in the next conversation already. Mm-hmm. Like, and, or, like, Sonny is surrounded by a bunch of people that his manager hired and... He gets hounded by them for a little bit, and before he has a chance to give, like, a witty rejoinder, it just smash cuts away. Like, they just don't wait at all when they're making jokes, which I don't understand. I don't I don't think I really cared for that. Yeah, and I think that kind of adds to the fast. lack of interest in some of the characters as well, because the jokes have no real significance that you don't quite care for who says the joke, so... Right, and I guess that's why they don't really dwell on the punchlines. It just it was a little bit too snappy for my tastes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was helped or hurt by the fact that they do you know frequent cuts to like these five second memories or fantasies <laughs> like they do in Family Guy? Yeah, yeah, they do like little Family Guy things. I think that that helps. Like, I think if you're going to go that yeah. far in not caring about what your characters say and not dwelling on a joke, you might as well use all the all the tools in your toolbox. So smash cuts are are, our fair game there. Um, Related, everyone also talks really fast. So, (laughs) like, especially with a little D, it's just jabber jawing away. Oh, yeah. Most of the time, which I like because I like his voice. But it's like, what if the Gilmore Girls were younger, black, and more relatable? Is what it made me think of. (laughs) Why the Gilmore Girls specifically? Because they don't... Have you ever watched an episode? Yeah, Chrissy's going through the series right now. Oh, no. Throw away your TV. <laughs> I, I Don't like do it. that. I like Gilmore Girls. What? Zane. They're, they're adorable, and they're also, you know, trying to be strong in a man's world. <laughs> You're just trying to piss me off now. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the, the, the thing that I really hate about it is, uh, about Gilmore Girls specifically, is how they talk faster than a person could reasonably talk like, well that's a that's the selling point how is that the selling point because it makes me feel like the world is scripted i don't why do you like yeah, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's I, the way i felt about this show at times and i didn't care for it I like don't know. It, it, it feels unorganic i i like fast humor i like having a joke that hits me and then having to reframe fast enough that i like it doesn't sink in and maybe i'll appreciate it more later yeah, but that worked in Harvey Birdman because everything was absurd to begin with. It doesn't work <laughs> as well here because this is part of the sell of this setting is that it's like, you know, the gritty slums where Sonny grew up. You know, it's, it's got this kind of groundedness to it that you would think that the dialogue would be trying to bring out, but it's kind of pushing it away. 
I, I saw it more as like expert level freestyling. Oh, no, yeah. Interesting. So the whole show is just like one big rap battle. Huh. That's a new perspective I wasn't prepared for. Yeah, we're like that. <laughs> I'm not sure what you were expecting when you came on, but I hope we're hope we're delivering. Oh, yeah. so far so good. <laughs> okay. I'll give a rating um, at the end. Great. <laughs> how do you feel about the how do you feel about the pacing of the of yeah. the dialogue? Um, yeah, so like it definitely was pretty quick and it kind of made catching up on it relatively easy because like i was like oh cool i don't have to worry about this being a dull children's show like it gave me a lot to focus on so it helped in that regard but as far as i guess it is dynamic enough to keep your attention that's that's kind dynamic's of a good word yeah yeah um i i like their use of callbacks and brick jokes um and the fact that they go through things fast means that they can rotate them and have several per show so mm-hmm. that like if you're paying close attention to the whole show, the jokes will just keep hitting you again and again. And even if they're not that funny, the fact that your brain remembers them and you're yeah. like, oh, that was funny before, it's probably funny now, too. Yeah, it's it's like a very, very close cousin of just referential humor. They get like, a lot of I mileage out of it. recognize that yeah. thing. What's weird is that they use surrealism to get that across, and you wouldn't think that this would be as surrealistic as it comes off as. Like... It uses, like, so, for example, in, like, one of the first episodes, the mm-hmm. principal, who has a Spanish accent that is not very good, um, <laughs> goes off and fights a giant squid with a harpoon gun by breaking, a like, a in-case-of-emergency break glass sort of thing with yeah. a harpoon gun behind it in the classroom. Yeah. And I don't know what the joke is there, but I like <laughs> that it's weird. Yeah, they, they've done a lot of that. Like, when they were trying to find Sonny when they spotted him around town. Like, oh, no, we definitely didn't see him. And he was like, well, I didn't see a gorilla in a truck. And a gorilla in a Lamborghini drives by. Oh, and goes, yeah. Well, that was a Lamborghini, not a truck. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Missing the Oh, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't. I didn't see no bear driving Jaguar. And then it, like, just yep. comes on through. And then they talk about it later. It's like, we don't want to run into any, like, bad driving bears or yeah. anything like that. It's yeah. like, ah. From the bear in the Lamborghini joke that just yeah. hit so well not three minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, or when Little D runs into a hobbit, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I like that sort of references, but I think it works even if it's not being surreal. Um, one example that I'm thinking of is uh, uh, the band is playing and they're getting you know rotten tomatoes thrown at them. And little D says, heads up, and Eddie, you know, kind of doesn't get things very well. And he said, he lifts up his head saying, like, wait, heads up? Gets hit by it. It happens again later, and he's like, okay, so when you say heads up, is <laughs> do I put my head up or head down? He gets hit again. Later, he um, he's disappointed and walking out of a room, and he's just like, heads down. Like, the joke's <laughs> pop- it's the same joke, but it's popping up in different ways. Yeah, that, that's actually pretty, that's pretty good. And, it, no, and it's the so sort bad. of thing that you can't really explain that well in words. So that one is, like, really grounded humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that one you would expect in this setting. The squid and the harpoon and the hobbit, not so much. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's why... The fact that is, either of them work. The, I mean, the jokes in and of themselves are fine. It's just that the the congregation of both of those disparate elements in the same show is what maybe rubs me in the wrong way a little bit like it does it just feels unfocused and non-cohesive 
Like, yeah, I just ben. don't know what the show is trying to do. Yeah, Ben. Music can take you right back home where it can show you worlds you never believed of. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't have anything for that. <laughs> it's, it's deep. Why not? Wait. You know what? That sounds like a... That sounds like a Mr. Uh, Mr. Groove from uh, from the out, the Offbeats. Oh yeah, is that what they're called? Yeah, uh-huh. that weird old beatnik. The Outcast Beats. Yeah, <laughs> or anyone from the Point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? What else we got in this? <sighs> we got to talk about black exploitation, right? Haven't we covered that enough on this show? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it probably fi- I don't know how, but it's got to figure into this somehow, right? Uh huh. So here's what I'm thinking, and I don't know if this is, I don't know how accurate this is. I feel like I like how black culture is represented in this because it's specifically jazz hip hop and not rap, which is, which has like a more yeah aggressive cultural connotation to it. It's got a negative association for white people, whereas jazz and hip hop have been around long enough that like, you know, it's become accepted in even the most curmudgeon uh, <laughs> barbershops in in the in this in rural whitey South, right? Like even they're like, yeah, saxophone music or something. <laughs> um, but I I don't think that this would I don't I don't think that this would have uh, I don't know how it would have worked if they went for a more rap aesthetic. I I don't think it would have done well at all. Um, so the the. The two sides that I'm kind of trying to relate here are the Proud Family and the Boondocks. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. There's some and, there's some sharp extremes there. Right. Well, not even that sharp with the Proud Family, but like this is this is a milder version of like uh, cultural expression than something so like satirical and politicized as the Boondocks. It's it's example. a lot more you know broadly consumptive. Mm-hmm. Like people are used to this. Yeah, yeah. It's palatable to. You know, that's the word. Well, white people, to be honest. Yeah. So I, I don't really know what else what I have to say about it, other than I, I think, think that, that it's just more palatable. To I white think people, that this aesthetic works for a few reasons. Uh, specifically, putting it in Atlanta, um, <clears throat> which you know it's not, you know, it's not New Orleans, but it's it's one of those places where jazz is a very strong uh, uh, background yeah, of the culture. Yeah, it's it's an influence. So so it's an influence on the culture. So you know, there's a there's like a in universe reason for things to be so jazzy, and I think it also makes sense just because like this is Andre three thousand's story, and he can he can give life to these uh, you know even even cultural stereotypes in a good way without veering into tokenism, which is I, I think why we have trouble with the Chinese American characters more so than the other ones. Yeah, I think but, that's a good point. Yeah. That like when you have such stereotypes coming from people who are typically victim of those stereotypes, so to speak, like it comes off a little differently. Like they can add little details that really like stray from that enough make to make you think twice about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and this this show, if it is going to humanize anyone, it's humanizing all the black people in it. And kinda no one else, which is sort of <laughs> problematic, but like <laughs> I get it. I get it. That's what he grew up with. That's what he's familiar with. I understand. Mm. But, like, you know, the characters of Little D, of Sonny, of Tamika, like, they're all representing a black stereotype, but it's not, like I said before, it's it's not... There's more depth to them than inherently the others. Ne- yeah, there's more depth, and the stereotype isn't inherently negative. So, you know, 
that part I like. I just dislike the part where they sacrificed everyone, literally everyone else in the show for it, you know? <laughs> I don't even know what that rich kid is supposed to be. Yeah. Like, that, that's that's not in Atlanta, is it? Uh, I imagine it would be. He's probably right. one of the, like, southern rich... Coca-Cola farmers. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Mint julep sipping carpetbagger. <laughs> I thought we were trying to get away from stereotypes. It's fine. <laughs> as long as we don't say thang, we should be fine. Well, um, too late. <laughs> then it's settled. We'll keep saying thang. All right. Great. <laughs> so uh, speaking of the influence of jazz, um, we also have some very nice animation beats that sort of cement that loose feel to it. Yeah, typically at the end of the episode... Uh, we'll get a, a musical thing which will, however abstractly, sum up the message of the episode. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even talking about the music, like the music video at the end, which I unilaterally disliked. I was speaking more <laughs> of like the the animation leading up to the, like the animation through the entire thing, all the colors, like they they do this really well. This is something I always appreciated, if didn't actively like in Ed and Nettie, where. There were lines, but they were just colored outside of, because fuck it. Yeah. But here, <laughs> here, they color outside of things which aren't even lines. Like, you'll have a street, and it'll be starkly three different colors, just kind of blending into each other, sort of randomly. Yeah. It's an unusual style, but it's visually striking. It is. Did you notice this? No, I definitely did. And, like, also, I thought it was interesting that and it kind of worked pretty well was that all the characters are kind of very blob like in their outline and it just kind of added to this like everything was kind of like blending into one another in some sort of like abstract art way Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean sunny is pretty much actively melting on screen yeah (laughs) he's trying to be he's going with the flow he's yeah no that's exactly it he's he's epitomizing that jazz mentality Mm -hmm. you know that loose and languid feel to it yeah yeah Hmm. No, I, I didn't pay too much attention to it, but that's a good way of putting it. I think I think that might be the best part of the show is the is the is all the color choices, all the just kind of loose. The characters kinda... look good, definitely. The characters look fine. They also look like the Prab family, to be honest. Like I thought it might have <laughs> been the same animator. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I like that. I didn't like the songs or what the. Can can one of you guys describe the animation of the songs? Char- Charlie, you want to take that? Because <laughs> uh, hmm. it feels like the show just abandoned its art style and just does whatever the like they, lets the animators just kind of go whole hog, do whatever they feel like. The only word I can think of is just psychedelic, <laughs> because it just goes very abstract. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's a that's a good point because Andre Three Thousand was kind of Outcast, kind of dipped into that psychedelic kind of kind of tone for a lot of their later music. Abstract like with is really, shit. Abstract is really the only direction the art could go because like you said, the models are already so fluid mm-hmm. and if music is supposed to be this freeing influence, there's only one yeah. one step further on that train. Yeah, it can only get worse. Yeah. <laughs> but it just it, looks so bad to me. <laughs> it's stylized. It's not it's not bad. It's I get it, but like they all like all the characters are still there, but they weird caricatures where none of them have eyes I, and like. I, I think what I, I don't like, know, it looks like a Zatarain's poster. It I, reminded me of like iPod commercials, like when they had everyone yeah. like shadowed out <laughs> with like crazy colors going on. Like yeah, they're and, all jamming. 
Yeah, that uh, was actually probably some of the inspiration because I think that was around the same time. As iPods? <laughs> like those commercials specifically. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I I think the point of having it more abstract is that the the animation is more responsive to the music and it's trying to blend those a bit more seamlessly than it could if it stuck with the same style. Like, if if you play... Like, if there's a solo, the character models on screen can, can adjust with it. They can move to the solo. So this is, uh, this is something that Outcast would be kind of known for, is evolving their own presentation, not really... Um not really staying in one genre, but kind of kind of evolving with the music industry in new and interesting ways. So it makes sense that in each episode they would abandon what has worked and go to something fucking weird. <laughs> like, you just didn't like sense. the direction. I just didn't like how it looked. Did you like I, how it sounded? No. I think that was way worse. <laughs> like, so this is the weird thing. Like I appreciate what they did, but I hate that I had to listen to it. I don't know. Like I like Brave new directions for the cartoon medium because we so rarely see them Mm -hmm. so when they do something and it doesn't work i want to applaud but i couldn't stop cringing like this sounded Mm. so bad to me charlie what was your perspective on them um i I enjoyed them for the most part actually uh they obviously like you know i'm not putting any of these on my playlist anytime soon but (laughs) i and maybe some of this is like nostalgia filled, but I remember like listening to some of the songs and be like, "Ah oh, man, I totally remember that. And just like, I could just bounce along pretty well. I guess that's the way I would describe it. It's good, like bounce along music. Sure. Oof, I didn't feel that way at all. I felt that way for like the background music maybe during the actual episode, but not the actual songs they sang. Maybe I just hit the wrong song. So. <laughs> it's possible. There was quite a variety in, in quality. Yeah, I, guess so. that, I definitely would agree with that. Like not every song was good. So, so did you, was this part of like, did this bring you into any new genre of music that you weren't anticipated back in the day? Like what exactly did this show do for you with its musical choice? Hmm. Um. If anything, like I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything. Yeah, I'm yeah, trying yeah. Trying to figure out why this show tugged at you. Uh, so I'm trying to think, uh, and, and this kind of brings me back to something that Zane asked me this weekend was like, when did I get into hip hop? And I guess I was exposed to different facets of it as i was younger but i didn't really start appreciating it until like high school and like undergrad so i don't know if i could say that this show really pushed me in any way that i wasn't already being pushed yeah it's just just one of the touchstones it's just one of your stepping stones as you became aware of that genre yeah i mean that that's that's telling i've never heard of this show probably because i've never you know been along that particular musical trajectory um you know i never really had a huge appreciation for music in general and also hip-hop so you know uh, there wouldn't be any way that i would even become aware of this show but i guess this is actually something that uh frequently you see with a lot of that nick at night kind of um black uh cultural outreach stuff Mm -hmm. is that they would include include music from predominantly black sources so you have like uh ll cool j in the in the uh in the intro to keenan and kel stuff like that yeah and keenan and kel was amazing it really was (laughs) yeah it was um the uh and what i'm trying to say is that that would 
kind of get audiences that didn't listen to those kinds of music aware of that kind of music. And it sounds like that also happened here. Yeah, this show could definitely act as an entry point. Yeah. Or, or as the or as the landing point for a different entry point. Like, what if you yeah. heard hip hop in 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 intro to, or or jazz in an intro to like the Huxtables or something like that, and just like oh, I'm gonna check out some jazz, you would, might be able to come across this if you were in that same age group and yeah. has like what else has jazz in it? Class of three thousand. That's a cartoon. Looks like there's a saxophone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I, then um, again, the show is a lot older than that audience, so yeah, like more mature. I mean, yeah. Mm. Uh, what did what did you think of the intro? The intro is just like this, like thumping bass and just random shapes and colors. Yeah, why don't you talk about it for a second? I'm gonna go look it up again because I don't remember <laughs> it. It's it's vaguely, it's vaguely music, like putting musical yeah. elements as visual icons. Um, and then it has that stupid part in the middle where Madison's yelling London Bridge, yeah. which kind of ruins it oh, for yeah. me. I definitely agree with that. That was bad. But um, but I but I like the first half of yeah, it. Yeah, I love, as you mentioned, like the thumpingness. Like it just adds to like the hype of the show, I feel. Like, oh man, I'm ready to watch this. Like, and it's just, it's <laughs> almost primal in a sense. Like, Yeah, and they... Um, like they're hyping themselves within the song. He's like, "Oh, can we take it to the bridge? Yeah, like, keep that groove going. Like, take it to the bridge." It reminds <laughs> me of the. Uh, that reminds me of the Donkey Kong sixty four intro. I love it when a song <laughs> tells me that they're gonna go to the bridge right before they go to the. Bridge. I don't know what it is. I just find that really endearing. Oh my like, god! Why didn't I look at this closer last time? Yeah, shake it, Tamika. It's a mess. Um. I like oh my how... god, Sonny loves it. He looks I, I... so disappointed in his class. <laughs> I like um, <laughs> the they have like roadmap, like uh, exit signs mm-hmm. in the intro. Uh, one says Buckhead and one says Bankhead, and those are um, predominantly wealthy and predominantly poor neighborhoods of Atlanta. Mm. So it, it really plays into this whole integrating different parts of of. The place he grew up. Yeah. I thought it was a nice little touch. Huh, I didn't notice that. That's pretty cool. It seems as though the intro is um, more hip-hop than the rest of the show. I'd agree. Yeah, on average. Which is a shame. P- a pounds little bit. per like, square You inch. don't see any, like, turntables in the show. No. You know? Um, you do see, like, they're very conservative in sticking to, no, we're just, we're just doing jazz. We're not doing any of that low-pants nonsense, boys and girls. <laughs> so, like... And, like, all the characters have strictly jazz instruments, you know? Like, something that couldn't also be used in hip-hop, really. So you got piano and, like, flute and saxophone and stuff. Mm -hmm. Or cello or harp. Come on, harp? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think think they were really trying not to step on toes there. (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of like in School of Rock, you know, just slight alteration and you can play this... Uh, uh, much more pop music instrument as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cello. You got yourself a bass. God, <laughs> what? <laughs> You're just mad. I said it first. When did that show? When did that movie come out? 2005. Am I getting that right? Let me look it up. Um, 2003. Wow. Oh wow. Mm. I am old. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. School of Rock star Lance Lim Q and A. 
That was when uh that was when Miranda Cosgrove kind of kind of started hitting stuff. Yeah. Started started getting out there. I, rem- I only remember her from that from Drake and Josh. Yeah. <laughs> ben, do you Carly? Oh, I forgot about I forgot about I Carly. I don't Carly. I heard that that was actually a pretty decent show. It was. For the, you know, Nick watching laugh track loving crowds. Yeah. I just I think I was just I I was beyond that age group by then. What else do we have to talk about, guys? Not a lot. I'm I'm trying to keep it going, but I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit empty here. I guess I can talk about a couple more Andre facts. <laughs> what what have you been saving up? So, uh, um, so the music videos of this actually ties into the intro because they are kind of similar to the music videos for his singles. So, like if you watch uh, Players Ball or. Oh, there's something that sounds like super califragilistic, but that's not it. I don't remember what it's called. Hang on, let me let me see if I can look this up real quick. Charlie, do you know? Are you um, are you into his discography? So I haven't gotten into his discography as much as I want to. Uh, he's actually he's like next on my list of like I'm trying to go back and listen to classic artists, and he's mm-hmm. he's like literally the next one on my list. I should have bumped him up for this. <laughs> You're gonna have to check out the recording <laughs> of Stankonia. <Ooh>. Stankonia. <laughs> How do you like that? Where is it? Lesser known Atlanta suburb. <laughs> yeah, I think his like best song, so to speak, uh, was Aquemini, which is meant to be like a mashup of Aquarius and Gemini. Oh, here's huh. here's their debut album, Southern Playalistic Cadillac yeah. Music. Yeah. <laughs> One word. Yep. That's kind of great. That's pretty good. Gained popularity uh, after their pl- single, Player's Ball. Yeah, so these music videos are actually really cool because... I mean, they're sort of stereotypical. You, this is something that you probably see referenced in later hip hop and also rap uh, music, but I feel like it works better for these guys than I've seen in other places, where they're you know kind of just bobbing their heads on top of cars and like walking through clubs. Yep. Yeah. Well, but for some reason, ra- it works here. Like the beat just works for me a little bit better. There are rappers who are doing that to say something, and there's others who are just like. I saw this guy do it. Yeah. I bet that's what made him successful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all like it's all like Atlanta suburbs where they're doing it. Like so it really does kind of get that uh cultural zeitgeist mixed in with that music, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. They are surprisingly like non-conference like they're not it seems like they're pretty non uh offensive in their in their works from what I could see. They hit a broad appeal. Yeah, they kind of have a, a broad appeal, kind of like a kind of like a Louis Anderson, um, but uh, didn't expect to compare Outcast to Louis Anderson in this episode. <laughs> the uh, uh, what's interesting, I think he's a is, big boy. <laughs> oh. No, uh, Andre Three Thousand is uh, actually a um, animal rights activist. If I'm, if I've got my, uh, are you just reading my... Wikipedia? <laughs> We we can. I, I'm we trying can close to. No, I, I remember writing it down, and I don't know if I'm right anymore. I feel like it is. You wrote it down. Why? <laughs> hey, man. If if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, we we can uh, start wrapping this one up. So sure. overall, um, you know, I I enjoy the show. Uh, ben, I remember you saying that you were really not excited for it. Uh, I, did, I has really your opinion wasn't changed? excited. <sighs> not really. Like I think it's okay. I I just. I'm not the target audience, probably, and also it was too unfocused and 
you know, the, those segments where they did the songs that I hated really dragged the average down a little bit. Mm-hmm. There were parts that I like. I like the depiction of Tamika, especially. Like, I think that's really good. And um, the art, like, the, the, the art style is kind of, like, just more creative painting kind of kind of aesthetic than I've seen before. So And that re- worked really well, so I'm, I'm happy that I saw it. But, like I said, I don't think I get the point of the show. Uh-huh. And I don't know if there is one, which makes it very hard to look for one, but yeah, there are other shows that are, like, say. a little bit more obvious about their lack of having a point. Charlie, how did it hold up for you? Um, so, it was wittier than I expected, as I mentioned, so that was kind of nice to see and kind of get back in some of the jokes. Uh, like, I don't know, just, like, the randomly profound thing of like oh just because you're in my face doesn't mean i'll let you in my head man like like i don't know just like, <laughs> yeah like there's some great quotes yeah there. like this show is pretty quotable and like to me that kind of like mirrored my recent revisit of hip-hop as well because like i always like just viewed it as like this flashy kind of music and i was like oh cool whatever like it sounds nice but then like as you listen to some of the artists like some of the lyrics are actually worthwhile and i think that's kind of how i felt about the show was that like for the most part it's just a flashy funky show but there can be a moment or two that like just really brings it out cool so i i think maybe part of why i didn't like the show was i was treating it very well i mean i liked it okay i just didn't like it nearly as much as i think you guys would have hoped that i would <laughs> I, i'm treating it very strongly on its musical basis because that's how it's sold yeah um and there are other shows that are sold on a musical basis specifically i'm thinking of metalocalypse which is much more my age group <laughs> and I, also, I don't know if that's an age group thing i think that's just you um i think it is and also i think that uh in metalocalypse the focus is so strongly on also making good music. Like mm-hmm. they almost seem like equal halves. It's like we're gonna make a cartoon and we're also gonna make music to put in the cartoon. And Charlie, here have you it seen felt like they made the cartoon and then just jammed for about ten minutes when they needed a song. <laughs> I have like, seen, they didn't really I've seen clips of Metalocalypse and yeah, I guess I'd agree with that. So like I guess in that way, that's where I am at with Metalocalypse. Like that genre was never a genre I got into. But, like, I, I could appreciate, mm. like, okay, yeah, they were definitely making good music in this genre, and they were trying to showcase the culture around that genre as well in this show, which was nice. That's true. I mean, they go a little bit, like, weirdly allegorical in Metalocalypse, <laughs> how absurd the setting is. Like, a, a metal group with, like, a greater economy than Belgium, like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, I think maybe the, the reason that I'm having trouble here is that I'm approaching it on a musical standpoint when I should be approaching it on a musician standpoint yeah Uh this show is so much ingrained in an appreciation for andre 3000's work in life and i didn't really have that and i don't know that that just made it hard to relate to um Uh, i I I like the idea i gave it points for just how well it's a cohesive whole of an artist's like imagination yeah but that doesn't make it a cohesive whole of a show (laughs) is, is is the point well, thankfully, I enjoyed the dialogue enough. Yeah, the dialogue was fine. Um, but yeah. So yeah, that's a class of 3000. Combination of Louis Anderson and Metalocalypse. Wow. <laughs> you, hear, you heard it here, folks. Folks first. Hulks. Here first. Hulks first. Hulst. It, it hulks <laughs> what is first going time. on with my brain? Be gentle. So what I've got... Uh... What I got out of this show was that there was a lawsuit from Rosa Parks as represented by Johnny Cochran. You said that Outcast had a documentary. Was that in it? 
No, I I read that up on the Wikipedia. Would page. have been amazing. Just tack it on. Great. Yeah, that'd been great. <laughs> uh, well, maybe they had it. In. I didn't watch. Didn't have time to watch the whole thing. Um, yeah. Upon revisiting this show, what do you think of it, Charlie? Uh, so it's it's a pretty good show. I would say I don't think it'll, it'll like ever differences from how you saw it the first time. So the first time, I was definitely just enjoying the feel of the show, like the music. I was probably like really into just funky sounds at that london point bridges yeah you know <laughs> pretty into london bridges on that age we all have we all have those three months <laughs> i still like sunny d i don't know yeah sunny d and little bridges enough. that's that needs to be the next hip-hop duo oh man but yeah uh what 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 uh sorry i i cut you off but like what what did you get out of it this time that you didn't last time or like is there any evolution to your appreciation of it? Yeah, so I definitely appreciate the whole uh, younger people wanting to just get out, like, taste fame, and like just grab life by the balls kind of thing. And like someone who's had oh, actually man. done I that, that catchphrase, and was just like, "You don't want that kid." Like I, I really appreciate perspectives like that. Yeah, that that mirroring is really satisfying, especially in the first couple episodes. I wish they had done more with it, but mm-hmm. I'd agree. That that's a that's a cool that's a cool little dichotomy there, and I also wish that little D had had a catchphrase of "I gotta go out and grab life by the balls." <laughs> you don't need to say it if you're wearing that hat. Yeah, the hat says, <laughs> the hat it, for says it for you. Skipper too. <laughs> All right, uh, so closing up shop. Uh, what are yeah, we? So next next time we're gonna be watching uh, the Great Mouse Detective. Indeed, I know nothing segment. about it, but everyone raves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we are going to go back to form a little bit, like we often do after a movie, and do Dexter's Lab. Ooh. Classic. Which I'm super excited about, because it's a great show, and it was created by Gandhi Tartakovsky, which did Samurai Jack, and uh, I don't remember much about it. Like, I, I have snippets in my head, but I don't remember what the show did, so... I have entire fun. episodes in my head. Yeah. <laughs> this is... That, Charlie, one of the what, what was your experience dads? with Dexter's Lab? Dexter's Lab was one of the, like... It was such a great show for me, because, like, even at a young age, I knew I was going into science. And so, like, the Dexter's just passion for, like, ah, what a wonderful day for science. Like, that instilled me. <laughs> uh, if you want a was, really was... bad take on that, watch Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Yeah. Ben, it was it was great um, to see Charlie at a conference because he gets so mad when <laughs> people's science isn't sciencey enough. <laughs> what does that mean? Like if it's just not they're like he criticizes everyone on their rigor. He's like, you didn't do a good control. <laughs> there are not enough prongs on this. Yeah, this need three, four more prongs. Then we'll talk. Their variables are just weren't well as- isolated, and the fact that they didn't even consider to like try and isolate them further, like ah, uh, it just. <laughs> I love it. I love it because everyone's like, "Oh, I love science today," and and, and they're like, "Look at these cool pictures. Look at this, you know, zoomed in picture of a rock. Isn't that cool?" And you're like, "No, no, no. Show me the data." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Where is your control group, sir? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's some that's like a problem that I have, and it's not a huge problem because nerds aren't all that and disenfranchised of people to begin with. But like, uh, you see, um. You know, the Niels deGrasse Tyson phenomenon where a guy shows up on Facebook and he's really charismatic and everyone's just like, oh, yeah, I'm a bit of a nerd. And, you know, there's like this weird backlash against that from like true nerds 
<laughs> weird nerd war going on in the fringes of the internet that I really don't want to take part of. But it is kind of irritating to have people purport to be science, mm-hmm. sciencey, and or just like when people not being share science-y. those science articles all the time without like reading anything, they just like they get all hyped up yeah. on the title, and you're just like, oh man, like this is making my field look bad, like <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I, I hesitate to say that it's like cheapening our culture, but <laughs> it does feel are, like that at times. Are these like, five just vegetables bad for you? And then you read the article and no. No, they're not. No, they're, they're fine. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, I also hate the people who are like, you know, girls can't be nerds. You know, like yeah. those kind of like way too far backlash defensive posturing for, for, for nerd culture. Mm-hmm. No, nobody comes out good on the internet, guys. This is probably <laughs> true. Absolutely nobody. Anyway, so yeah, Dexter's Lab is next. If uh, um, if you want to come out good on the internet, you can write us a line. <laughs> <laughs> Better every time, Zay. <laughs> I know. I'm getting good at these. Um, <laughs> you can uh, uh, write in a recommendation or a comment about either of our upcoming shows uh, at our Facebook group or at cartoncast.com. Yep, um, or just more important than anything else, tell your friends about the show or give us a rating and review on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Uh, I'd like to take a moment and thank Charlie, question mark, question mark, question mark, for coming on the show. I know almost <laughs> nothing about you, and it doesn't matter because that's not really, this is not really the venue for it, but uh, I'm glad that you were able to, <laughs> I'm glad that you were able to come by and uh, talk about a show that you enjoyed. No problem, I really appreciated the offer, and uh yeah, I hope I was able to help out in ways that others might not have been able to. Yeah, oh, indeed. It, it, it seemed like you had a nice general rap knowledge. Uh, uh, ben did a lot of uh, looking up outcast facts, and I actually watched the show. So <laughs> <laughs> good distributional labor there, guys. Uh, hey, I also came up with a great intro and reference Back to the Future. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. <laughs> now, yeah, uh, which uh, future? The rapper? Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chance the put, Rapper, Future the Rapper. Has he put out a Back to the Future album? Uh, Who, Doc Brown? He might have made a reference to it at some point. He seems like the type of that would. That's what I'll say. <laughs> if, Wait, if that were my rap name, that was the only reference I would make. Are you talking a about a real rapper, or are you guys fucking with me again? <laughs> Is there some rapper named The Future? Just Future. Oh, Just Future. Yeah, like Just Cause. <laughs> Or just in case. No, like his name is just mm-hmm. quote future. No, I heard don't, don't, don't correct him. He's <laughs> not going to understand. Um, yeah, Go drink so, your Sunny D. So, uh, Charlie, are you anywhere on the internet? Can people find you and your work, or do you not have that? Um, I'm no actually. Judgment. I'm in the process of trying to decide what I want to be my internet spot. So I currently Ooh. do not, but when I do, I will inform the masses that's very exciting um i hope you'll consider us for guests at some point in if uh this unnamed project gets off if if a record label picks it up (laughs) gotta gotta schmooze shake shake some producers hands oh some palms yeah let us know how it goes and thanks again Mm -hmm. for for joining us thanks again no problem thank you and until next time let's crank this thing up God damn it, stop referencing Cousin Skeet. I can't help it, man. That's all I know. Remember that commercial for Sunny Delight when all the kids run in from outside playing and they all run to the fridge? <sighs> all right. I got some purple stuff, some Sunny D. As soon as you say Sunny D, all the kids go, yeah! Watch the black kid in the back. If you ever see that commercial again, look at that black kid. He'd be like, 
I want that purple stuff. <laughs> 